This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk traffic. Good afternoon to you. I'm Jason Kong, and I have the pleasure of being here with Mary Lucas and Sam Peterson representing Transitions Life Care. I'm going to switch things up. I'm going to start. Sam, how are you doing? How are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing great. It's been sunny weather, so I really can't ask for anything better. Yeah, of course. Mary, how are things in your world? I don't feel slighted at all. Um, (laughs) 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 They're very good. I I became an aunt this week, so I'm I'm thrilled. I've had a great week um, meeting my nephew, Jack, and um, being with my sister and her family. It's been a good week. Well, congratulations to the uh, the, the Lucas clan increasing by one, and uh, your sister and the baby jack uh, happy and healthy wishes yes. to them uh, so I, I know it was an exciting week for you last week we were kind of on pins and needles in the studio last week but yes. uh no this is very exciting and i'm also excited to welcome in our guests as we're going to have a conversation all about uh, ageless design this is making sure that we've got a home that can age with us and to have a thoughtful conversation on this we are pleased to welcome valerie jurek henry she is the founder and ceo of the ageless home valerie thank you so much for joining us today well thank you for the invite i really appreciate it thank you so valerie i think that uh, let's kind of start with the basics first can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started in this industry so, yeah, that's, that's a long story. So, <laughs> but basically, when I was very young, my mother worked in a hospital. And when I was 14 years old, I used to volunteer there a lot. And snowstorms in New York, right? So we have to always, no one would show up for work. So I would, so anyway, I got really, uh, very young age, I got um, engaged with people and just healthcare situations and helping them at life. And then as I grew up, I had medical equipment companies that I was running and it was like wheelchairs and medical equipment. Mm -hmm. And then uh, as I got to be an older girl, (laughs) I had my own companies. So I started my own medical equipment companies. And besides that, I realized the house and the house designs was not accommodating for wheelchairs, for ramps, for power wheelchairs, Mm -hmm. for people progression in healthcare. So I opened up my own home remodeling company and my own medical equipment companies to provide solutions that weren't existing. So when you put that all together, I took healthcare and housing, merged it together. And five years ago, I came up with the Ages Home and I teach around the country about home designs that work for all ages. It's not just 65 and older, it's not just millennials, it's one design, one idea concept that helps and progresses and moves through life with you. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what the, that's how I started at 14, and this is where I am today. That was pretty quick. <laughs> that's <laughs> that such a, a good synopsis. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point you actually brought up. It's it's interesting how you kind of came from the device world into where you are now. Mm-hmm. You know, my my grandfather recently got. Um, he, we've been having home health come in, and he has a walker. And we went into his room, and it, we realized that he can't even get it into his closet because of the mm-hmm. way the door opens. And his home health nurse was like, "Take the door off the frame," and it, like we would never have mm-hmm. known. Right. That. So it's things like that that people don't realize when designing a home, like, you know, the door size and the frame and even the door on the hinge creates a little bit of extra space. Mm-hmm. Exactly. He couldn't get his his walker right. through. Um, anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, maybe but no, could... you're exactly right. Yeah, you're exactly right. So, Valerie, tell us a little bit. What is exactly ageless design? 
So going right tailing off of what you just said about mm-hmm. the, the doorway not being wide enough and whatnot. So say, let's just start, I'm going to give you a really quick idea. So you go up to someone's house and the first thing, you park in front of the house and you go up some steps and you go in the front of the house, right? Mm-hmm. So we look at steps we just say, okay, there's steps. But what if you had something like, I talk to people about a stepless entry. There's mm-hmm. no steps. The first thing people think of is like, okay, that's, oh, that's great for a wheelchair. Because we're conditioned to think if there's an alternative design, it's for someone in need. Right. And, and that's unfortunate, but that's what it is, right? But I say this, you look at that, yes, it is good for someone with a wheelchair, but what if it's someone with a baby stroller? Mm-hmm. Would it make yeah. it easier, right? Mm-hmm. What if you have someone that, a, a, a teenager that was in a skiing accident and on crutches? What if you got home really late from a party one night and you didn't feel like <laughs> upset? Right? I can't relate what to that if, at all. Easy... <laughs> um, I haven't been spying on you. But <laughs> if you walk into someone's home and there's no, so, so that one thought in design, a stepless entry, you see all the variables it covers mm-hmm. rather than just thinking of wheelchair. And like you said, a wider door. Why are we building houses with 26 inch doorways, a 30 inch doorways still today? Mm-hmm. Why isn't it standard of 34 inches? So you look at all things in a house which creates an ageist design, only works, it doesn't only work for a particular age group because we're geared and we're talked to and we're spoken about and educated about the aging population only. Yes, if you design for the aging population in mind, by default, you cover everyone. Mm-hmm. So wider doorways, wider hallways, you have bright light, natural light, all ageless design is about making the house in such a way that you don't even know the benefits are there until you need it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what if a design where you have a lower, uh, an outlet, which is raised off the floor, it stops bending. Mm-hmm. Or if you have raised appliances to stop bending into the washer and dryer or the dishwasher, raise the dishwasher up eight inches. Watch what that does. Mm-hmm. For someone like me, I'm six foot tall. Mm-hmm. I hate to bend. <laughs> My husband's six foot five, so he can right. relate to that. <laughs> Everything's too low for him. So, yeah, but you know, you so you have you have simple designs around the house. My kitchen and my designs, there are no upper cabinets. Zero. Oh. It's all natural light and open windows. And like, where do you put everything? In the base cabinet. Mm-hmm. A child can help themselves to the glasses. A person in a wheelchair can help themselves to dishes and glasses of pots and pans. A tall person, a short person can help themselves. Mm-hmm. Why aren't we thinking about design that works for every generation, for every need and every phase of life, regardless? Mm-hmm. So that is my mission. That's what an ageist design kind of is and the idea of it all. Yeah. I'm notorious it's an for... Inclusive... Go ahead. Is hmm? it... Go ahead. Oh, no, no. I'm just saying it's basically called universal design or inclusive design, mm-hmm. but not just for the aging population. Is for all populations, and it's not expensive. If you're building a house, it costs the builder zero mm-hmm. to think of design this way. You're already building a hallway. You're building doorways. Mm-hmm. You're building everything you can possibly do already. We're not inventing anything new. We're asking them to look at it a little differently for the benefit of the consumer and the consumer's family. Mm-hmm. I'm notorious for kicking the dishwasher door up so I can <laughs> push it out, with, <laughs> kick, the, kick it with my foot so I don't have to yeah. bend down and get it. I'm guilty of that too. <laughs> so aging in place and longevity are hot topics in the United States right now, especially post-COVID as people are trying to stay at home and out of facilities. Um, how is the new home building and renovation industry addressing these things? So that's a good question. So 
one of the things I do talk about a lot, obviously, in the building industry is to teach them to look at what they're doing a little differently without additional costs. But the way the housing, as you know, you can't build mm-hmm. them fast enough, right? No. When a house goes on the market to be sold, it's like Piranhaville. Everybody's <laughs> yeah. buying it in 30 seconds, right? So housing is, is just, they're kicking it out. So to teach people, a teaching industry, to look at something a little differently for the benefit of the consumer is it really in their, in their, their top pocket? They're not, it's not in the top pocket. They're basically what they're doing. They understand about universal design. They understand about inclusive design. And wait, I must say there are builders here in North Carolina that truly only build with that in mind. And there are builders there. So I'll give them the credit for that. But the majority, the, the franchise builders, the, the community builders, are just trying to pop houses up. So if you look at longevity, I mean, 70 years old today, you know, people saying 70 to 50, right? There are all these different numbers. Mm-hmm. I read stories about people jumping out of planes, traveling around the world, you know, just at 70. It's life part two. (laughs) It's life part two, and amen to that, you know, and yay. And I'm right behind them, supporting them (laughs) and doing things with them, jumping out of planes. I got all that too, right? So if you want to age in place, which is aging is us. That's what aging. Aging is people, and in place is the home. So how do you keep people in their home for as long as possible, safely and independently, regardless of age. So if you look at aging in place and longevity, which are are crazy topics in the U.S., how can we not get an industry such as the building industry to understand the need to really work and do something for the consumer in mind first? We don't. They don't. Mm -hmm. They build a product and they say, here's my product. You can choose A or B for tile, A or B for flooring, A or B for your... Uh, uh, appliances, right? So mm-hmm. why do we only get an A and B? Why can't the consumer say, hey, I want D, E, F, G? Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is we're not educated. Mm-hmm. Well, no one's educating the consumer about their options. So if longevity is going to be the number one topic and aging in place is the number one topic, we really, truly have to educate the consumer about their options. And I'm working on that just to come up with a solution on that. I have a nonprofit I opened, but it's going to be funded by uh, manufacturers of home products, and the whole idea is free videos and everything online. All information is going to be free about housing, products, home designs, all of it for age of living. So we're working on that. That's, that's great. And if the demand can increase, then the supply will come after. We're speaking with Valerie Jurek-Henry. She is the founder and CEO of The Ageless Home, and we're going to continue our conversation with her right after this. Stick around. You are listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF with your hosts, Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. You are listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk traffic. Hey, don't forget you can always find more about Transitions Life Care online at transitionslifecare.org, transitionslifecare.org. Jason Kong here with 
Mary Lucas and Sam Peterson. Our guest on the line is Valerie Jurek Henry. She is the founder and CEO of the Ageless Home, and we're having a conversation all about aging in place and universal design. These are concepts of home modifications and design that allow us to age comfortably in our homes without having to do any sort of major remodeling or anything like that. And, you know, this is something that uh, I, I think, as Valerie kind of alluded to, we all need to kind of pay attention to mm-hmm. as, as these changes uh, can be very impactful and, you know, help us out down the road. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, Valerie, we were just talking before our little break there uh, about when you're building a new home, a lot of times you're given options between, you know, this tile or that tile or uh, more design aspects of the house. Um, and you had mentioned, you know, why not options for widening doorways, things like that. So in your opinion, do you think that inclusive or universal design should be a standard in home building in the future? Um, and if so, why? Bingo. Now you just put the exclamation point at <laughs> the end of what my whole passion is about. If you're going to, so, so I'm a one woman army trying to change the building industry when I started, <laughs> right? But now I have a following, which is great. So why not make a standard? Why not make mm-hmm. the housing design of the wider doors and hallways and uplifting the outlets and whatnot? I have like 73 different things to do, but as a standard and it costs the building nothing. And the reason for the answer is yes. My mm-hmm. opinion and the opinion of great groups that have followed me now are, are joining the conversation because if you, if you make it a standard, Again, it's benefiting the consumer. And if the builder or the building industry, I don't care if it's architects, developers, builders, if they realize they can grab more of the market and someone shows them the market capture, they do it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But the educa- education's not there. So, yes, it should be, in my opinion, because it benefits the consumer. And it's not just new home builds. This also applies to renovations. Because you just said before, I didn't get into it, but just think about it. If you're in a house and like, I really can't stay here anymore because dot, 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 this design doesn't work, that hurts, whatever it is, renovating to create an ageless design is the same idea. So I don't want people just to think it's only new home build, it's renovations at all. Right. But yeah, so the inclusive and design and standard in home building, it, it, they really need to understand what it's about. And, and I think we're getting there. <laughs> We're getting there for the building industry. But yes, to answer your question, it should be, but it's not at the moment. Right, right. So there's a lot of millennials who are looking for their first home, a family home, maybe a multi-generational home where they can keep their parents mm-hmm. or a she shed in the backyard where yeah. they can put their husband or... <laughs> I've thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, I like the way you think. <laughs> or, or an investment property. Um, but the market's mm-hmm. a mess right now and things are going well over list price for cash or with crazy contract yeah. terms. I know, Sam, you're kind of going through this right now. You're, yeah, we looked at selling our house and we thought, mm, maybe we'll just refinance and Right. do some stuff to the house because on the buying end, it's just insane right now. Yeah, yeah. So what mm-hmm. are some key things, Valerie, that you should you think people should be looking for to make sure you're making the best decision when home buying for longevity? So, so uh, I'm glad you said that because when I talk about home buying, we do have the millennials and the Gen Xers and the boomers and mm-hmm. the silent people and all these different, everybody's categorized. This is your bucket, your bucket, your bucket. And that's what I was telling you, design, there should be no buckets, it's people. So if you're looking for a house, and whether you're a millennial, say if you have parents, whether aging parents or very healthy parents, think about, think about what would happen if you had someone come visit you. What happens if you, I don't know, go on a skiing accident, break a leg. If you want to think about, if you're a millennial, let's just go to millennials, too. 
you may have parents that you, you're considering, well, if they come over, what would make it easier in living in this house? Or their, their parents. I have friends that take aging parents in the 60s, and those parents are taking care of their parents. So now we have three generations and trying to buy a home. I'm a, I'm a broker as well. So I talk to people about buying homes all the time. And, and so what do you do with, with the whole idea of the millennials and everybody else? If you get a design, not only think about yourself, here's the clue, and this is a very big statement. When you're buying a home, think of the moments today, which we usually do where we think a year ahead. But the biggest thing is think of your future self. Think of your future self. Your future family, how's mom and dad going to be in 10 years or how my family is going to be in 10 years? We don't usually do that when we buy a house. We look what's going to work now, what's the best school, and what's going to happen in a couple years. And so-and-so is going to share this bedroom, right? So we don't really think about our future selves. So when buying a home, get everything you want. Of course you want to do that. But think of your future self and think of what's going to be the easiest way to function in the house. If you're looking at a step, steps and there's like 15 steps to get into your house, do you really think that's going to work in a few years? Mm-hmm. That's where we have to start thinking about housing, not just today. Open yourself up to think about future housing. And I'm just going to give you a really quick thing after that. There's a client I was just working with, and the client basically was telling me about, oh, when mom comes over, mom comes over, you know, and I kept saying, what are you so concerned about? She was just diagnosed with Parkinson's. Mm. So you know, how do you, how is, how's that Parkinson going to be in three years and five years right. when mom comes to visit? So I opened up her mind to that, and then I found out psychologically, she's thinking herself, will she get it? Mm. Even though it's really not hereditary, yeah. this is her mind. So how do you build for your future self? So things like that, you know, just, just go out there, and, and, and the consumer needs to be educated, and I wish the building industry would educate the consumer, but the consumer has to educate themselves and... I mean, there's just a lot of ways of looking at it. Yeah, Valerie, uh, there's a reason that my wife would agree with Mary in putting me in the she shed in the back. <laughs> because, uh, you know, I doing this program, I hear a lot about universal design. And I don't know if we've ever asked this question, but... Uh, you know, I'm a pocketbook guy. What's what is the what is the impact of uh, going with universal design on the building end, or if we're doing some remodeling, how does that compare and contrast? So, so here, nothing, zero. So let me give you an, let me give you a quick example. You're you're taking out your bathroom, and um, let's say a bathroom remodel. Obviously, it's going to cost, right? So let's do a universal design. You're, you're building a she shed in the back where you're going to hang out there, right? Or of course, man yeah. And if you want to, you More want to put something out there. And there. And the, <laughs> 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 All right. So uh, you, have, you have instead of a 30-inch story, you put a 36-inch story. If you have an open space, instead of putting walls and blocks, which become, which become tripping hazards or blockings that you have to shift your weight to move around or obstacles, Open it up. Open floor space. You're building a home or you're moving into a home. You know how people love one floor levels, like open space, the living room, the kitchen, and the mm-hmm. dining room, all oh, because there's no walls? You ever wonder why people love and feel comfortable in that? Universal design is psychological and physical. So what it costs the builder? Zero. I wrote article after article after article that the building industry needs to know. If you're building a house or you're renovating, and you're doing hallways anyway, and you're doing walls and, and doorways anyway, just change the width, change the height, lift up something a little bit, Low, lift up the appliances, lower the light switches. Whatever you have to do, it costs the builder or the renovator 
Zero. Zero. The only time it will cost is that if you have steps, let's say in the front, you want to step with entry. Obviously, the mason knocking the bricks down, putting the dirt in, flattening it out, and creating a cement walkway up. Yes, there's a cost. People are like, oh, it's going to be too expensive. I haven't had one over $5,000 yet, and it changed aesthetically the whole front of the house. Is it worth it? Of course it's worth it. So the, the cost of all of this is not what people think because people think with their own imagination, oh, it must be expensive because it's true. There's no true knowledge out there to educate of the proper. Make sense? That makes so, plenty of so, sense. Yeah. yeah, very good. Well, Valerie, thank you for shedding that light. Uh, if folks want to find more <laughs> about you and the Ageless Home is theagelesshome.com, the best place for folks to go? Yeah, sure. There's a contact form there. There's a, a, My phone number is on there as well. Um, I love going to communities and teaching, and I don't mind. I mean, that's the community thing. That's my give back to the community. If anybody has events or anything they want, and I do a very good question and answer on the spot. I can easily <laughs> just talk to a. So I'm just really good on the fly. So, and I donate my time doing that. So if you know anybody that would need that, um, I'm all about it. I really am. Excellent. Well, Valerie, thank you so much for your time and for being accessible to the community. Again, theagelesshome.com is how you can find more about uh, The Ageless Home and Valerie as well. She is Valerie Jurek Henry. And again, we thank you for your time. We are taking a quick break and we will be back with more. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. If you have questions for the show, you can email agingmatters at transitionslifecare.org. You are listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas and Sam Peterson, and we're going to shift gears here a little bit. And, you know, we, we often have the conversation when it comes to caregiving and being thrusted into a caregiving crisis and how just overwhelming that can be because there's there's so much that needs to be done and often we don't know where to start. But uh, Mary and Sam, we're going to start, uh, at least in this segment, talking about the financial aspect of things and to have a thoughtful conversation on that. We're pleased to welcome in Chip Rowe, the president of the Potter Financial Group. Chip, thanks so much for being on with us today. Thanks to be here. So, Chip, you have a really interesting perspective uh, to caregiving and also in your role as a professional, um, as a financial guru. So can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I'm a Durham native and um, been working for the Potter Financial Group for, gosh, over 25 years as a certified financial planner. So I've worked with a lot of clients, helping them navigate retirement and, and healthcare matters. Uh, but my mom being uh, diagnosed with Alzheimer's uh, thrust me into a, uh, a long-term caregiving crisis. And on top of that, <clears throat> I'm a proud member of the sandwich generation. And uh, I did all of that at the same time raising uh, two high school-aged daughters as a single dad. So um, it, was, wow. uh, it was pretty busy. And uh, since this is being recorded, I won't 
say which part of that sandwich was the most challenging. <laughs> <laughs> it's Actually, okay. I'm, I'm one of two daughters, Caregiv- so I caregiving understand. Caregiving by far, <laughs> caregiving by far was the was the hardest part. What is your biggest and first tip to caregivers when dealing with medical medical professionals and family? I know that there could be a lot of different family members involved, maybe too many cooks in the kitchen at, at some point. But what is your biggest and first tip that you learned in your experience with your mother? Yeah, exactly. So the probably the most important is to make sure that you're focusing on your loved one. And, um, and making sure that they're getting the, the, the medical care. You know, many times it's an accident that uh, uh, the caregiving crisis uh, begins. Um, and just making sure that you have lines of communication open with the medical personnel and especially with family members. So first and foremost, uh, focus on your loved one. Are there some ways to involve everyone in the family but still kind of keep the peace? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. And, um, you know, families are typically spread out, and my situation was, was uh, exactly that. I, I've got three sisters. One was in California, and uh, two were uh, in North Carolina, but, you know, pretty far away. And uh, bringing them in into a, uh, a family meeting is, uh, is an important thing to do. But that would be a little, f- you know, after the, the, the medical issues have kind of settled down. Definitely. So did you do any legal planning during your time as a caregiver? I'm sorry, say that again? Did you do any legal planning during your time as a caregiver? No, but, uh, um, you know, that's probably the, the, that's definitely the second thing that needs to be done. And, uh, and I would say as soon as uh, uh, you've kind of got a good handle of the medical situation, you need to reach out with uh, your loved one's attorney and and make sure that they've got their medical directives mm-hmm. in order and, and, and know who uh, has the authority to make medical and financial decisions. So um, we work with a lot of attorneys, and uh, I was fortunate to have those kind of resources as well. You know, just a couple of weeks ago, we did an episode on five wishes, mm-hmm. and I think you mentioned mm-hmm. that you use five wishes with your mother. Can you talk to us a little bit about your um, experience using that form and, and how it helped you and kind of the steps that you took in, in setting up the five wishes document? Yes, absolutely. And um, um, you know, one of the other things that was very fortunate for our family is that um, I have a sister who was a, a, a social worker. and. Uh, she was at Wake County at the time, and <clears throat> uh, she was familiar with the five wishes. And so she and I sat down with my mom and walked through that. And uh, the five wishes is a legal document, can be a legal document as a health care power of attorney. But what is so nice about it is is that it really focuses on what I would say is the feelings, the mm-hmm. emotional part of what what you need. Uh, what you're wanting to have um, as your care, and um, and we learned a lot. Uh, it was uh, it was a it was a great exercise. It really helped my mom deal with the diagnosis, and um, uh, it was just a great way to to have the conversation. And I would recommend anyone who is um, thinking about having that conversation or not familiar with these documents to, to download it. It was, uh, it was a great help to us. Mm-hmm. We love that document here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so from yeah, the financial definitely. advising side of things, what are some tips that you have for families planning for long-term care, which can be really stressful, we know. Where do you start? Well, that, that's where uh, I think after you've gotten the information from um, you know, the, the medical professionals, if it's an accident, uh, you're prepared the home for, um, uh, for for their arrival. 
but uh, having a family meeting, that was uh, what we did, and, 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 and that's where how are we going to pay for the, the health care expenses come up first and, and uh, up, up front. And, uh, and so once you've had a discussion and, and, and you would want to also include uh, your loved one uh, of what their wishes are, then it's organizing, pulling everything together, and, and, and seeing what kind of resources are available to, to pay for long-term care and, uh, and what the immediate and long-term financial needs might be. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So I, w- I would say that probably most important, and, and this is the hardest for people, is to go through their parents' financial stuff, is mm-hmm. to organize it. Um, I recommend using um, online tools like Mint.com, for instance, where you can uh, link bank accounts and, and see spending. Uh, but organize everything so that uh, you've got a good handle. And once you have that, definitely be in contact with um, you know, their financial advisors, uh, CPA, investment, um, insurance, because they're going to have a lot of good information as well. Um, and, and one quick note about that is, mm-hmm. is that uh, if you can become what's called a trusted contact, and that allows an individual who doesn't have a power of attorney to be able to, to um, speak about uh, you know, your parents' financial accounts and things like that. Mm-hmm. Is it ever too early to start this process of financial planning uh, with your loved ones? No, never. And and what I like to do uh, to kind of start the conversation with, with clients is I'll ask them, you know, I, imagine it's 2 a.m. and you're sound asleep and you're woken up to find out that your mother had a fall and is in the emergency room injured mm-hmm. or you came back from lunch and your sister is just called and saying, I think dad has had a stroke and he's in the hospital. Um, do you know where you would start? Do you know where you could find your parents' important information? And um, most times no one is, is really adequately prepared for mm-hmm. that. And, um, and so it's a good way to, to bring up that conversation, you know, maybe listening to um, you know, the Aging Matters radio show or knowing <laughs> of, of the situation and just telling telling your parent that, uh, you know, I, I want to be there to help, and but I don't know where to start, and, and just uh, work at their pace on that conversation. Absolutely. So we talk a lot on the show, obviously, about caregiving and its stresses and how stressful it can be for people. So what are some things that you did to help take care of yourself during your caregiving journey? Yes. Um, well, you got to take care of your of yourself first, Absolutely. and um, and that is really hard for caregivers because you know you you do this out of love and and care for um, your uh, your your parent, but it's um, it's a marathon and not a sprint, and you know our marathon lasted nine years, mm-hmm. so it, it it can take a toll. And um, I discovered mindfulness uh, and um, meditation and yoga, um, <clears throat> and that was very helpful for me. Um, the uh, uh, mindfulness-based stress reduction program at, uh, at universities, and I did the one at, at Duke Integrative Medicine, was hugely helpful. And uh, I think doing those type of um, self-care, uh, and I'd have to say, you know, participating in groups and going to the, the, the caregiving summit, I think, uh, you know, one of the hardest things is being a caregiver and it's it's so personal Mm -hmm. that you feel like you're the only one who understands but you know I've been to two caregiving summits and I've always walked away just 
um, amazed at uh, you know the interaction between caregivers and realizing that they're not you know they're not doing this by themselves. Um, a lot of people are dealing with this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, very well said. And Chip, we got to thank you for uh, attending the Caregiver Summit, also for supporting them as well. Uh, you know, we really appreciate that because, uh, as you know, the, this is such a valuable resource to those in the community and uh, for all those who attended the Caregiver Summits this month. You know, we thank them as well. Chip Rowe, he is the president of the Potter Financial Group. You can find more about them online anytime at Potter Financial Group. Dot com, potterfinancialgroup.com. Chip, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much. Yeah, We're taking Take a care. quick break. You too. And we'll be back with more. You're listening to Aging Matters. Care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas, and we're now turning to long-term care as we uh, continue, you know, hopefully we're getting towards the latter stages and the, the turning point here mm-hmm. in the COVID-19 pandemic. But uh, life still continues on and making decisions when it comes to long-term care. Uh, that hasn't changed. Well, it's, it's changed a little bit, but it's still there. We still have to make those decisions. And to discuss more about this, we are pleased to welcome Wendy Marsden. She's the marketing director with Capital Nursing and Rehab, which is part of Liberty Healthcare. Wendy, thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. Thank you so much, Jason and Mary, for having me on the show. It's an absolute honor to be um, part of your show today and to hopefully bring some light to a very challenging and and scary topic um, as we're currently in a pandemic. So I'm hoping to be able to provide some education um, in selecting long-term care facilities, maybe give some advice and some questions to, you know, ask when you're looking um, into exploring long-term care and hopefully be able to also just find shine some light on the day-to-day life of a skilled nursing facility during the pandemic. Definitely. I think that you you, bring, you used a really good word there, light. And I think we're all seeing this light mm-hmm. at the end of the tunnel, and it's not the train. <laughs> um, absolutely. It, it has absolutely. been such a tough year for so many people. So I want to start off, how are you guys doing, and how is the facility going? And have you guys started and had any vaccine clinics? Yes, the facility is doing great. Um, you know, it was, it's, you know, from to think that if we, we look back to a year ago, this just started a year ago, and here we are, you know, almost a year later, um, and vaccines have arrived. Um, our facility actually started vaccinating our staff and our residents on December the 28th. We've wow. gone through two complete rounds of vaccinations, and we have a third clinic coming up um, actually next Monday. So we're super excited. Um, our staff have been um, very excited and eager to receive the vaccinations, and so as our residents and families have been on board with the vaccination so that we can to return to some normalcy again. So um, we are happy that the, the time, the time has changed, and here we are, and we are vaccinated. 
That's such great news. I, I know that there's been a lot of trouble out in the community making sure vaccines are out there. So that's really good news that everyone at your facility is getting vaccinated. Mm-hmm. What is the world like right now in the skilled nursing setting at your facility and, and kind of the community in general? Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, for skilled nursing facilities, um, we still are under restrictions as far as indoor visitation. Um we are still um, allowing outdoor visitation at the facility. Um, so we have um, assignments set up where families can come and visit with their loved ones. They typically are done like in one-hour increments um, so that they can visit um, with their family member. We do those in one-hour increments. So that just gives an opportunity for us to be able to sanitize, you know, the area in between mm-hmm. visitations. Um there is also opportunities um, in certain situations where families are able to enter a facility. Um, those are It's called a compassionate care visit. Mm-hmm. Um, those are very specific guidelines that a resident must meet to be able to have a compassionate care visit. We had several residents who have qualified for those visits. Um, but the majority of our visits are done um, outdoors currently. Um, we're hoping soon to be able to get some updated information from CMS and CDC um, now that the vaccinations have rolled out and we're looking at the majority of skilled nursing facilities being vaccinated, what those new visitation policies are going to look like. So we're hoping soon to be able to hear some information about that. I think you busted a big myth right there in, in talking about some of your visitation policies because I think so many mm-hmm. people in the community are hearing that you can't see your loved one if they're at the hospital or at a facility. And that just sounds like that that's not true. There are ways to do it and you're doing it safely in, in every day. Absolutely. And it goes above and beyond those outdoor visits as well. So many facilities have um, different forms of communication where they still have the ability to communicate with their loved ones um, and kind of, you know, have that bridge of communication between the facility and the residents. Um, there's some facilities that offer ambassador programs. What an ambassador program is basically a department head or a manager who has been assigned to that resident specifically. They typically call the families on a weekly basis, um, give them updates, kind of be that bridge to the family. Um, they can set schedule those outdoor visits. Um, they can do FaceTime. A lot of facilities have Skype capabilities. They have tablets available that are readily available for residents to use um, via FaceTime, Skype. Um, So, you know, there still are multiple other ways for families to be able to communicate with their loved ones. Um, And those are just some of the examples, you know, across multiple skilled nursing facilities Mm -hmm. that they're doing um, beyond just those outdoor visits as well. I can imagine that during this pandemic, it's been really difficult with the restrictions that have been in place um, from the state and from CMS uh, at facilities that it's been really difficult to tour if if someone is thinking yes. about going to a facility for long-term care yes. um, or short-term rehab. Is it reasonable mm-hmm. for families to ask for a virtual tour? Or what kind of tour situation are you guys right. doing right now? Right. Absolutely. So th- there's multiple ways for families to be able to to be educated in picking a skilled nursing facility during the pandemic, the biggest advice that I have to anyone that I ever talk um, to is research. Research, research, research is the most important thing that you can do. And there's multiple ways that you can do that. Um, you touch point on um, virtual tours. Most facilities do have websites that are readily available that provide photographs. Um, some provide virtual tours. You'll see video testimonials. 
most also typically have a direct link that will get you right um, to the admissions or marketing team at that facility, or you can speak with them via email or phone. Um, secondly, utilize the internet. Um, CMS has a great website for families to research. Um, if they go to Medicare Nursing Home Compare, and I can actually give everyone that website address, it's medicare.gov backslash care dash compare. Um, you can look at any skilled nursing facility in the United States of America. You can basically just put in the information that you're looking for. If you're looking for a specific geographic region, you can view that information about that skilled nursing facility build your data so when you do have those conversations with that skilled nursing facility, you have talking points that you can speak with them about. Of course, word of mouth is a huge resource that we have. Um, you know, reaching out to your church, um, your church pastor, a lot of churches have parish nurses that have a lot of expertise in skilled nursing facilities, your friends, your family, you know, relationships that you um that you can build off from them to be able to give you good information of experiences they've had in the past. Um, of course, if you're in the hospital, you do have resources. They are readily available to help you as well. Um, you're going to have a hospital nurse uh, case manager or a social worker that can start you off um, with the basics to being able to choose a skilled nursing facility. Um, if you're at home, if you have a home care agency that you're working with or a hospice agency, of course, they're going to have social workers that can assist you also in that starting process. Um, another great resource is your primary care office. Many primary care offices do have nurse navigators that can help you and kind of get the ball rolling. Um, in the research for long-term care or skilled nursing facilities as well. And of course, in Wake County, we are very blessed by having multiple caregiver support agencies. Um, that is a free resource for um, families to be able to call upon as well. So once someone has narrowed down their choices by doing all their mm -hmm. research and they really like a facility that they've chosen, and now I hear the word bed availability. You know, you hear about mm -hmm. it if you're in the hospital. Mm -hmm. How hard is it to confirm a bed and how often do they turn over? Is it something you can wait for if you really love a facility? I would definitely suggest um, right now during the pandemic, if you find a facility that you're very interested in, I would definitely suggest to move forward as quickly as possible. With the changes with CMS and CDC, um, we kind of had to shift it a lot away the policies of how we go about admitting patients to the facility. Um, for example, typically when a patient is being admitted to a facility, whether they're coming from the community or they're coming from the hospital, they do go into a 14-day enhanced precautions um, unit, basically meaning they'll be in a private room for those 14 days. So whereas before typically you would see skilled nursing facilities with the majority of semi-private rooms, um, you're now looking at more private rooms. So we've had to reduce the capacity within skilled nursing facilities to be able to create those isolation units. Um, so if you find a bed, I would definitely suggest to go ahead and try to move forward as quickly as possible because they are limited right now with that reduced capacity. Those are some great tips. She is Wendy Marsden, Marketing Director with Capital Nursing and Rehab, which is part of Liberty Healthcare. If you want to find more about them online, be sure to head over to libertyhealthcareandrehab.com. libertyhealthcareandrehab.com. Wendy, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. 
Thank you, Mary and Jason. I, I do appreciate being able to be part of your show today and hopefully being able to pro- provide some education to your families at this time. Well, we appreciate that. And uh, always anything that can help out our WPTF audience and those who listen to Aging Matters is something that we appreciate as well. We're out of time for today, but we will be back with you next week, next Saturday at 4. Be sure to join us then for Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. For more information, log on to transitionslifecare.org.